This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. The views expressed in the following program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of Saga 960 AM or its management. Seeking truth and justice in a battleground of deception and corruption, this is The Richard Serrett Show. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as bad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! We must not allow ourselves to be intimidated. Our task is not only to win the battle, but to win the war. Meaning we're not in Kansas anymore. Take a look at this country through her eyes if you really want to see something. You'll see the whole parade of what man's carved out for himself after centuries of fighting. You're out of order! You're out of order! The whole trial is out of order! You have meddled with the primal forces of nature! And you will atone! Hey there, this is your mad prophet of the airwaves, and welcome to Radio Free Canada, news notes and opinions from the underground for Thursday, February the 9th in the year of our Lord 2023. Good afternoon. Welcome to Friday Eve, everyone. Uh, let's see, who don't I want to say good afternoon to? Um, you know, I was thinking about the uh, the Satan worshipping on the Grammys last weekend. That aired on CBS. So I guess I'm not wishing executives at CBS a good afternoon. You know, when you think about it, in the span of just a few generations, CBS went from banning the word pregnant on I Love Lucy. The writers on I Love Lucy were not allowed to use the word pregnant when Lucille Ball was pregnant on the show. And this was around 1956, 1957. Couldn't use the word or say the word pregnant on CBS. Flash ahead to the 2023 Grammys on CBS and you have people screaming, Hail Satan on live television. 
I, uh, I also will not wish a good afternoon to the board at Project Veritas. A good afternoon. Which was founded by uh, one of the last great journalists in America, James O'Keefe. And for reasons that remain somewhat of a mystery, the board at Project Veritas has placed O'Keefe, who serves as CEO, they've placed him on paid leave. And the board is meeting tomorrow when it is speculated they will vote to force him out to fire James O'Keefe. And the timing, of course, very interesting, very suspicious. Just a couple of weeks after O'Keefe and Project Veritas released some very damning videos about Pfizer. A Pfizer exec, Jordan Walker, revealed during a conversation captured on a hidden camera that Pfizer was engaged in gain-of-function research of its own and was already or was planning on mutating viruses so that Pfizer could develop vaccines for COVID variants ahead of time. Now O'Keefe may be on his way out of Project Veritas. James O'Keefe is Project Veritas. Without James O'Keefe, there is no Project Veritas. So what happened? Has the board received an envelope, perchance, from Pfizer? That, of course, is mere speculation. I don't know if this is the case, but it would not surprise me in the least. And James O'Keefe will simply start again. Some, maybe, maybe someone with some very deep pockets and some integrity can uh, get behind James O'Keefe. Someone like maybe Elon Musk. Wouldn't that be great if Elon Musk bought CNN and put James O'Keefe in charge? And then James O'Keefe could train a hundred journalists to replicate what he does. That would be something. Let's see, who else do I not wish a good afternoon to? Uh, of course, it goes without saying, the uh, the principal, administrators, probably most of the teachers and staff at St. Joseph's High School in Renfrew, Ontario, nor to the school trustees with the Catholic School Board in Renfrew, Ontario, which is now a laughing stock right up there with the Halton Region School Board and the Waterloo Region School Board. 16-year-old St. Joseph student Josh Alexander arrested the day before yesterday after being suspended for protesting against transgender people using the girls' bathrooms and then affirming that there are only two genders. And now, of course, he's appealing to the Ontario Human Rights Tribunal, but he was arrested on Monday. The um, young man says the leadership of St. Joseph's Catholic High School in Renfrew told him that his continued attendance would be detrimental to the physical and mental well-being of transgender students. What about the physical and mental well-being of the girls at the high school who object to having biological males enter into their change room and their washrooms. I guess that doesn't count. The girls and young women at St. Joseph's Catholic High School have no rights or consideration. They're told too bad. Too bad for them if they feel uncomfortable, awkward, or worse, unsafe. Being forced to endure, again, biological males in their washrooms and change rooms. And because young Josh Alexander is doing the right thing and standing up for what is right, what is moral, what is sensible, because he subscribes to an objective reality, he's being persecuted and has now been arrested. 
And I'll be speaking to Sue Ann Levy from True North about this in just a few minutes. So I, I guess, am I to understand that it is now illegal in Canada to proclaim that there are only two genders, just two sexes? Because, of course, well, there are, there are only two sexes. Let me repeat, a woman is a biological female adult human. Only biological female adult humans can bear children and nurse children. A man or a boy who is confused about their gender deserves sympathy and health care. But they are not women. And if that is a crime now to say that, then I guess I better get used to wearing an orange jumpsuit. Prayers go out to Josh Alexander, a fine young man, a fine young Christian, a fine young Canadian. And this song goes out to the Ontario Provincial Police and to the staff and faculty at St. Joseph's High School. Boys are boys from the beginning. If you were born a boy, you stay a boy. Girls are girls right from the start. When you're born a girl, baby, you grow up to be a bigger girl and then a woman. Only girls can grow up to be the mummies. Only boys can grow up to be the daddy. Everybody's fancy. Everybody's fun. Your body's fancy. And so it's mine. There you go. Here's what we've got planned for you today. Uh, in the second hour, U.S. Attorney John O'Connor on this. In my time in Congress, I have never seen anything like this. Dozens and dozens of whistleblowers, FBI agents coming to us, talking about what's going on, the political nature at the Justice Department. Not Jim Jordan saying this, not Republicans, not conservatives, good, brave FBI agents who are willing to come forward and give us the truth. That's Representative Jim Jordan of Ohio, now chair of a U.S. House committee looking into the weaponization of government, including the FBI. And uh, John O'Connor, U.S. attorney, will be here to discuss. He knows a, a thing or three about the FBI, the author of The Mysteries of Watergate, What Really Happened. Also in the second hour, David Freiheit, popular YouTuber and Rumble host. What do we what do we call rumble hosts? Rumblers? If you're on YouTube, you're a YouTuber, YouTuber. So I guess you're a rumbler. Anyway, David has a, a wildly popular YouTube and rumble channel. And, and he'll be here with his thoughts on another U.S. House committee, the Oversight Committee, whose members have been grilling former Twitter execs. I call them the gang of four. Grilling them over censorship and collusion. And um this is getting good. Have a listen. This is a, a member of the committee, U.S. Representative Clay Higgins, Republican. Bottom line is that the FBI had the Biden crime family laptop for a year. They knew it was leaking. They knew it would hurt the Biden campaign. So the FBI used its relationship with Twitter to suppress criminal evidence being revealed about Joe Biden one month before the 2020 election. You, ladies and gentlemen, interfered with the United States of America 2020 presidential election knowingly and willingly. That's the bad news. It's going to get worse because this is the investigation part. Later comes the arrest part. Oh, this is getting good. This is getting good. Can you imagine if these former Twitter execs have to do the perp walk? They better get measured for an orange jumpsuit. And I'll also get uh, David's thoughts on Project Veritas board looking to throw founder and CEO James O'Keefe overboard. David Freiheit, host of Viva Fry on YouTube 
and Rumble. It's been a while since we had Billboard Chris on the program. Chris Elston, another great Canadian. And he's been traveling tirelessly, endlessly, indefatigably uh, across North America, exposing radical and dangerous gender ideology and the abuse of children. And he's going to discuss, this is a huge story, really the first prominent whistleblower coming forward. This woman worked at a trans care center and she has now gone public and is exposing what she calls the appalling practices inside gender affirming hospitals for kids. This hour, we have our In Defense of Women segment. I'll speak with Shelley G. from Cosbar about a recent study from the McDonald Laurier Institute, which concluded prioritizing gender identity over sex in prisons endangers female prisoners. Duh. In other words, biological males, many of whom, about 45% of whom, are violent sex offenders, wake up in a men's prison, decide one day that they're women, they ask for and receive a transfer to a women's prison. And um, you can imagine how that would, would end. So we'll speak with uh, Shelley G about uh, this study from the McDonald Laurier Institute. This hour, we're launching another regular segment, Keeping an Eye on Your Money. Every week, the Canadian Taxpayers Federation will expose more government waste and corruption. Franco Terrazano will be here. But first, Sue Ann Levy discusses the case of a 16-year-old Catholic high school student who was kicked out of school and then arrested for simply affirming his Catholic beliefs. The Richard Serrett Show, off and running for Thursday, Feb 9th. Back to Nonverba. We're back as The Richard Serrett Show continues on News Talk, Saga 960 AM. I'm just looking at a picture of this young high school junior, Josh Alexander. Clean-cut, fine-looking young man attends or did attend St. Joseph's High School, Catholic High School in Renfrew. Was uh, was suspended and then arrested simply for affirming his Catholic beliefs, if you can imagine. But I'm looking at this picture and he reminds me, I couldn't remember, I was thinking, who does he remind me of? And then it hit me, Nicholas Sandman. I think Josh Alexander is Canada's Nicholas Sandman. You'll remember that young, fine Catholic student who was in Washington, D.C. for the March for Life. Videotaped what, with what seemed like a confrontation between Ian and, and a, an Omaha tribe elder. And it wasn't a confrontation. Young Nicholas Sandman was defamed in the media. He was simply smiling and trying to diffuse what, what appeared to him to be a, a tense situation. He was defamed and he sued successfully against CNN and the Washington Post. So, Josh Alexander, I believe, is our Nicholas Sandman. Sue Ann Levy, investigative journalist from True North, author of Underdog, Confessions of a Right-Wing Gay Jewish Muckraker. Hey, Sue Ann, how are you? I'm good. How are you, Richard? You staying warm? I am, yes. Nice and cozy with my, I'm wearing two la- three layers, actually. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I can see. <laughs> um, so, y- your thoughts. Um, it was bad enough that he was uh, suspended. And now he's been arrested. And it seems to me that um, he was simply affirming his Catholic beliefs. What are your thoughts? Well, he said, my thoughts are that he said what a lot of people would like to say, but are afraid of exactly what happened to him. He's a brave young man, um, more power to him. And, you know, 
this is the world we're living in right now. It's actually very sad and, and downright despicable that somebody is not allowed to offer free speech on the other side of the equation. Uh, I believe it was to do with the all-gender washroom. And yeah. he was concerned about young ladies who were going to have to use the washroom uh, with, uh, you know, trans, I guess, trans key shoes using the washroom. And I think that's a valid concern, a very valid concern. Considering what is going on uh, right now with trans young men and older men and the fact that there are those who are taking advantage of, and I will say it right out, are taking advantage of, you know, they're, <laughs> some of them have fetishes, some of them, you know, in prisons are attacking women. I mean, we hear all kinds of stuff about what's going on in our very permissive society. And, and lo, I believe a lot, and I'm not saying all, but all a lot want to dress up in women's clothing. And they're, you know, they remain biological males. So, yeah, he was really just saying what a lot of us are thinking. Well, I say it too, but I'm not being thrown out of school. Uh, and, and standing up for the young, uh, the young women, the girls at St. Joseph's yep. Catholic High School, who apparently had gone to the principal to complain and were told, get over it, deal with Suck it. it up. Yeah. Suck it up. Yeah. Well, look at, let's look at the contrast. All right. Cause you and I have talked about this, the Halton school board, we've got the, the uh, he, she with the massive prosthetic breasts on um, everybody yells at me when I say prosthetic, it's like costume breasts, uh, like balloons, huge balloons coming to school dressed like that. That is a fetish. That is obscene as far as I'm concerned. And that person is protected by the school board, remains, has gone, just gone back to the same school, Oakville Trafalgar. Um, parents have complained, kids have complained, and there, this person is still in the school wearing these outlandish costumes, uh, tight, you know, T-shirts where the nipples are showing. And nobody wants it. You know, no school board official. They're afraid to touch that. But they're they're OK in beating up on somebody who's merely expressing their opinion and is of no harm to anyone. No harm. But they pretend that there's harm. They pretend that he's harming you know, trans or transitioning students. No, he's just protecting people who are, are offended by their policies or, right. or frightened, maybe even frightened. We'll take a quick time out. Sue Ann Levy stays with us, investigative journalist with True North, back with more of our conversation about high school junior Josh Alexander right after these. Let's get back at it on Newstalk Saga 960 AM. It's the Richard Serra Show. 16-year-old Josh Alexander, a junior at St. Joseph's Catholic High School up in Renfrew, was suspended, I guess in late 2022, for standing up for the young girls, the young women at that school who object to feel unsafe at the prospect of biological males who are confused about their gender, demanding that they be allowed to change in the girls' washroom. Uh, and now he's been arrested. I guess he... Um, he was still under suspension, and I don't know what the charge was or even have, if he's been charged. Perhaps it was trespassing or something like that. Uh, Sue Ann Levy is with us from True North. Um, have you heard? what Has he been charged? Do we know? Yeah, it was with trespassing. He it was, was trespassing. charged because there was uh, 
I guess uh, he was not allowed to come to the school, which is the first mistake. Richard, whatever happened to Catholic values? That's mm -hmm. why people put kids in the Catholic system because of Catholic values. So they have this school or this board has fallen prey to wokeism as well. Nobody will stand up to the craziness that's permeating our school boards, except this young man, obviously. Yeah. Where's the archdiocese? I don't know. Uh, the archdiocese, would that be up near Ottawa or something? I'm not exactly sure, mm -hmm. but where are they mm -hmm. in all this? I'd like to hear a pronouncement from the bishop saying, wait a minute, what he is saying is completely in line with the Catholic faith. How can you call yourself a Catholic school if you're right. not in line with the Catholic faith? And he is, and they're not. Well, if I were parents, I'd be protesting and pulling their kids out for the way this young man was treated. I mean, it's that's the only way these boards listen is to protest, to, uh, you know, make your concerns known and. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. Are you ready for a rewarding career in the electrical industry? Quality Electric of the Coastal Carolinas, QECC, is looking for qualified electricians and electrical helpers to join its Charleston team. QECC offers guaranteed full-time hours, make up to $30 per hour with possible performance bonuses and career growth opportunities. Enjoy benefits like health insurance, dental and vision coverage, 401k plans, and more. If you're a motivated, experienced electrician, this job is for you. QECC is an equal opportunity employer. For all job inquiries, send email to hr at qeccinc.com. The problem these days is that a lot of parents, it's starting because I wrote about it. A lot of parents are starting to get more involved, but not as involved as they should be because these things are going on. And then they find out and they're incensed. And where were they through all of this? Right, right. Well, were they... Now we're starting to see a few brave souls. This happened recently mm -hmm. at the Waterloo Region District School Board. You know, someone right. and you've covered this stood up and, and uh, uh, expressed extreme displeasure at the pornographic material that's available online to students and, and the lack of mm -hmm. transparency. Uh, but they just get pushed aside and ignored. There was a, a woman, I think, in uh, Nanaimo. Who, Chilliwack. Uh, Chilliwack. Chilliwack. Thank you. Chilliwack. A grandmother who was told to sit down and be quiet. Yes, because the she, was, the board. she objected there was a field trip coming up and she learned that there would be biological males who are confused about their gender uh, that would be in the same dorm rooms as, as the girls. And she she wanted to know if this was true. And, yeah, she was told that's not on the agenda. You can't we're not talking about it. Be quiet. Yeah. You know, I think the tide is starting to turn not quickly enough. And my my theory is that these 
theory, these theories, these ideologies got entrenched during the pandemic because nobody was really paying attention. And now, you you know, these parents have to come in after the fact and try and undo. But I mean, they they can they there's safety in numbers. Let's put it that way. In the States, I've written about this and I follow them um, you know, diligently, it's called Mums for Liberty. And there's a whole group of chapters right across the states that go into school boards and keep an eye on them and expose wokeisms. And I see them on Twitter. I see them on social media and good for them. And we need stuff like that. And we need organization like that in Canada. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. What is the organization down there called again? Liberty for Moms? Moms for Liberty, written Moms. run by a woman not named Tiffany Justice. Tell your listeners to go on and and check, you know, Google her and check out what they're doing because uh, chapters, new chapters are opening every day, and they've had the same issues: critical race theory, gender ideology, all the same stuff. We're we're just about a year or two behind, but you know, we need to have that kind of organized. Um, you know, protest, not this young man. They wouldn't be doing it if, you know, there were 10 young men and 20 parents protesting. They wouldn't be doing this kind of thing. You're absolutely right. And, you know, the other thing is there's a simple fix here. And that is Mm -hmm. what there might be a handful at that uh, of um, young boys that are confused about their gender. There's there's got to be a staff room or a, you know, that you could be designated as a gender neutral washroom that anybody could use only one or you know one person goes in at a time it's a simple fix but that's not good enough because they want to make a political point right that's what this is about it's all about that and you know that happened at a public school near my home forest hill public school they had an all gender you know gender neutral or all gender washroom and you know the same lack of comfort and parents parents there are more involved they're more engaged and they spoke up but yeah exactly they want to make political point and they don't care who they hurt so the you know in trying to bend over backwards for those who are confused and not to say that they shouldn't be considered they're making everybody else feel uncomfortable it's it's the whole case of you know richard pandering to the minority and ignoring the majority there you go sue ann levy Award-winning investigative journalist with True North and the author of Underdog, Confessions of a Right-Wing Gay Jewish Muckraker. Get it on Amazon. All right, Sven, you you keep warm, and uh, we'll talk again soon. Okay. Take care. You too. Suen Levy. All right. She is terrific. Uh, We have a brand new segment coming your way. Next, called Keeping an Eye on Your Money. Every week at this time, someone from the Canadian Taxpayers Federation will be here. And uh, today we're going to talk about our new Governor General, Mary Simon. Well, not so new. I guess better than the last one we had, the astronaut, the crazy lady. Well, now we've got um, a Governor General who who likes the high life. And she just received a $40,000 pay raise. Can you imagine? Franco Terrazano, Federal Director of the Canadian Taxpayers Federation is next. That starts in about two minutes. You're listening to The Richard Serrett Show on Newstalk Saga, 960 AM. All right, welcome back. So our our latest Governor General, Mary Simon, I suppose she's a pleasant woman, 
and certainly an upgrade from the uh, the former governor general Julie Payette. Remember her? What a piece of work! <laughs> Crazy. Uh, but this is a. Uh, I mean, I'd love to be the governor general. Do you know how much the governor general makes? Almost three hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year. It's obscene. And uh, Mary Simon, by all accounts, likes living high on the hog, and she just received a uh, a pay raise. Her raise is more than many of us make in a year. $40,000 pay raise. How's that? Franco Terrazano is the federal director of the Canadian Taxpayers Federation, and he's keeping an eye on your money. Hey, Franco, how are you? Hey, I'm doing great. Let me break down the uh, the pay raise for you here because it is sure eye-popping, okay? So in 2019, the Governor General of Canada made about $302,000. Fast forward to 2022, and the governor general is making $342,000. So that's a $40,000 pay raise since the onset of the COVID-19. Now, what was happening during that time? Well, if you're outside of government, you probably lost your job, maybe, maybe took a big pay cut. Uh, You know, heaven forbid, you may have even lost your small business. So while all of that was happening, the governor general's salary, the head of government, the salary went up by an extra 40,000 smackers. Now, is it, I don't know, is it indexed to the to inflation? Like, how do they justify this $40,000 <laughs> raise? You know, I'm glad you asked that, right? Because everyone just keeps throwing their hands up and saying, well, hold on a second, Franco, you know, it's baked into the legislation. It's baked into the Governor General's Act that every single year they get an increase that is either uh, multiplied by 107%, so a 7% increase or an increase with the industrial aggregate, whichever is lower, whatever that means, okay? But essentially, here's what the government is doing. They're throwing their hands up saying, well, what can we do? It's in the legislation. Well, hold on a second. I don't buy that spin for one second because I'm pretty sure us taxpayers are paying healthy sums of money for members of parliament to be in Ottawa to change legislation when it's unfair. So all the government spinners are trying to say there's nothing we can do about it, but there absolutely is something they can do about it. They could change the legislation beginning today if they wanted to. Exactly. And what does the governor general do? I mean, I understand the, um, the tradition and that we live in a, in a, you know, um, uh, it's a monarchy, so we have to have a queen's representative and so forth. Fine. But aside from, you know, ceremonial, cutting ribbons, being the official head of state, maybe welcoming welcoming some dignitaries, you know, not a lot of sweat and toil is uh, required or, you know, brain power from the governor general. What are we paying them this for? Well, uh, I think to go to the Middle East with their entourage and bill us for about 100K in fancy airplane food. I think that's what we're billing them for. I think at least that's what we're getting out of this. Right. Remember that Middle East trip that way back in March there. Remember when the news broke where they billed us one hundred thousand dollars almost just for fancy airplane food where they Mm. enjoyed beef Wellington. Right. They enjoyed beef carpaccio. They had yummy pork stuffed tenderloin. And then they had the audacity to look Canadians in the eye and say, well, no, it was just like normal airplane food. Well, Richard, I don't know about you, man, but I've been on Air Canada and WestJet many times. I've never had or even seen Beef Wellington on those flights. Okay, so this trip, it cost us over a million dollars. They had Beef Wellington. But what value did taxpayers get out of this trip? Well, I I haven't heard a single claim from the government trying to argue the value that we got. 
But hold on a second here. Let me just get back to one another issue. Sometimes you hear that these pay raises are justified because of higher inflation. Well, hold on a sec. It's not like the governor general is paying more for rent. Taxpayers are already paying, right, for her to live in a mansion, Rideau Rideau Hall. Hall. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's not like the governor general's beef Wellington bill is going up because we're on the hook for that as well. Or transportation. I mean, all her expenses are paid for, even when she's no longer the governor general. Doesn't she have a huge expense account for the rest of her life? Oh, yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because get this, folks. Former governors general, when they leave office, they get to continue to expense taxpayers for more than $200,000 every single year for the rest of their lives and even up to six months after they pass. In the afterlife, us taxpayers could still get billed by a former governor general. That's just obscene. It's beyond obscene. Somebody's I mean, got just, to hear Polyev's fire on this one and, and get a commitment from him that he's going to change the governor general's act, give that uh, office, that position, a, a, a nice hair, haircut. I think maybe 200000 max and forget this lifelong expense account. Once you're, once you're out, you're done. Maybe a small pension. That's it. Well, can we speak about the pension very quickly here? Yes, so, very quickly, yeah. Here's the problem, okay? We give them a $150,000 per year pension every single year for the rest of their lives, regardless of how long they served. So Miss Payette, she left office after serving for a little over three years, and if she continues to collect the pension to age 90, she could still cost us taxpayers about $4.8 million through that pension. Completely unfair. Ugh. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Franco Terrazano, federal director of the Canadian Taxpayers Federation, taxpayer.com, taxpayer.com. And he's keeping an eye on your money uh, every Thursday at this time. Franco, thank you. Thanks for having me on. All right. When we come back in defense of women, stay with us. Back to the conversation on The Richard Serrett Show. News Talk, Saga, 960 AM. Looking out on the morning rain. All right. Welcome back. I guess we could still play that song for the time being. You make me feel like a natural woman. That's the theme song for our next segment in defense of women every Thursday at this time. And uh, the McDonald Laurier Institute has just published a, uh, a new study called Rights and Wrongs, How Gender Self-Identification Policy Places Women at Risk in Prison. And uh, they write the decision to include anatomical Males who identify as women in a population of female prisoners creates a new layer of vulnerability for an already vulnerable group. And here to discuss further is Shelley G, who is a uh, steering committee member with COSBAR, Canadian Women's Sex-Based Rights. Shelley, welcome. How are you? Hi, Richard. It's very nice to see you again. 
Likewise, likewise. Thank you. Uh, all right. So um, this uh, study from the McDonald Laurier Institute, it was a paper by Joe Phoenix. Um, when did this come out? Roughly. Last week, a few Last days ago. Okay. A few days ago. Monday. All right. And um, uh, I don't know what, what, I mean, what, what kind of research did they do? Did they, did they hold kind of a, a round table with, with uh, female, former female inmates or current inmates? How did they put this together? So I, I think it's important um, just to very quickly give a little bit of background to the, to the whole thing. Which is that, you know, as as mentioned in the executive summary of the paper, this policy has been going on since 2017. You may be aware of the big ruckus in Scotland that occurred last week. Are you aware of that, Richard? Yes, yes. I mean, we have have basically a, a, a male prisoner who identifies as female and he's a he's a sex offender. He is a sex offender. And the thing is that there was an enormous outcry in Scotland. Um, and here we've been doing this on the say-so of our prime minister since 2017. I will point out that none of this was legislated. It was decided because a, a trans activist commented to the prime minister at a presser that trans women were being tortured by being in male prisons. And the prime minister agreed this was totally improper. And all you have to do now is self-identify as a woman to be sent to a female prison. Prior to that, as you know, you had mm-hmm. to have surgery. So um, this conversation in Canada really needed to be had. And it's been difficult to have it because virtually nobody in the legacy media would touch it. They are afraid. They do not want to be called bigots and transphobes, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But the people that are suffering are the incarcerated women, most of whom are Indigenous, most of whom have already been traumatized plenty. Yes. And, you know, you have to remember that the, the, the women in these places can't get away. Precisely. There's nowhere, there's nowhere they can go. Right. So um, Joe Phoenix is a very well-known criminologist in the U.K., We did try to get a, uh, you know, Canadian would be great to get a Canadian academic to write about these things. But I think most of them are pretty unnerved about the process of what that, you know, what that would mean, the consequence for them. Right, right. Uh, A couple of weeks ago, uh, Shelley, I had Heather Mason on the program. She's with Cosbar. She's a former, she was um, a former female uh, prisoner in me. Yes. And um, uh, we were talking about uh, a study that said 40, and this was by Corrections Canada, I believe, 45% of the men who are uh, claimed to be women and are placed or asked for and receive a transfer to a women's prison are sex offenders, 45% of them. 
Yeah. I mean, what else do we need to know? Well, you know, it's very, I'm, I'm so glad that you, you asked that because when people say to me, well, you know, where's the, where's the data? Where's the exact research? I think to myself and I say, as you have just said, what data do you need to decide that a male, an intact male who is a sex offender, should not be in a women's prison? And conversely, what evidence and research did the prime minister utilize to implement this disgusting policy? None. Exactly. He just, he just did it. Um, you know, it wasn't legislated, wasn't debated in the House. It was a policy created by stealth. So, yes, 45 percent. Mm. So what's what do you think is the next step? What What is going to happen with this this report from um, McDonald Laurier Institute? Is this going to find its way to Corrections Canada? Is it going to end up on the minister's desk or is it is it ever going to see the light of day? Well, I think that, um, you know, the McDonald Laurier Institute is, um, it's pretty determined and rigorous. I, I am not speaking for the McDonald Laurier Institute. I'm speaking for uh, Cosbar. And I, I feel to a certain extent that I am speaking for incarcerated women, though not as effectively as Heather, who did, I just would like to say, Heather Mason has done most of the heavy lifting all these years, could not get any coverage, could not get any help, nothing. Um, we'll see. I, I personally feel that there are cracks appearing all the time. Uh, I think it will wind up in the minister's desk. I, I, I would like to think that it will wind up on the desk of the leader of the official opposition and give him something to think about. Well, I hope he has some moral courage and stands up and does something about this because this is just so fundamentally wrong and obvious. It's just painfully obvious that you don't put violent sex offenders who wake up one day and say, I think I'm a, a woman and I, I'm requesting a, a transfer to a, a women's prison. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. Uh, fully intact, sharing a shower with a, um, a a woman who's in prison, but has been, as you say, is vulnerable, been traumatized, perhaps even uh, the victim of a, of a rape or, or spousal abuse. It's just uh, so over the top wrong. I can't imagine that. Uh, I can't believe that we even we even have to discuss this in this day and age. But uh, there you go. Shall there you we go. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. 
Thank you, Richard. Bye bye. Shelly G, Cosbar's steering committee member. And uh, when we come back, hour two, of course, Chris Elston, a.k.a. Billboard Chris, will be here. This is um, this is a big story. Finally, a, a major whistleblower, someone who worked at a trans care center. In other words, one of these gender affirming hospitals for kids uh, has uh, turned whistleblower and is calling out the appalling practices inside these gender-affirming hospitals for kids. Of course, this is in the U.S., but uh, we'll get Chris Elston, Billboard Chris's take on that. And uh, also, uh, Viva Fry, David Fryheit will be here from uh, Rumble and his uh, popular YouTube channel. We'll talk about the uh, U.S. House Oversight Committee grilling some former Twitter execs over censorship and collusion with the FBI. And John O'Connor, U.S. attorney, author of The Ministries of Watergate, will talk about another U.S. House committee. This is uh, to do with the weaponization of government. And uh, Jim Jordan talking about dozens of FBI whistleblowers coming forward and complaining how the FBI has been weaponized against American citizens, particularly those of a conservative bent. All right, stay with us. Hour two of The Richard Serrett Show comes your way in uh, about five minutes. The views expressed in the following program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of Saga 960 AM or its management. Seeking truth and justice in a battleground of deception and corruption, this is The Richard Serrett Show. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as bad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! We must not allow ourselves to be intimidated. Our task is not only to win the battle, but to win the war. Repeating, we're not in Kansas anymore. Take a look at this country through her eyes if you really want to see something. You'll see the whole parade of what man's carved out for itself after centuries of fighting. You're out of order! You're out of order! The whole trial is out of order! You have meddled with the primal forces of nature! And you will atone! Welcome to Hour 2 of The Richard Serrett Show, therichardserrettshow.com. If you missed Hour 1, you missed a lot, but don't despair. As I always say, there's still plenty of great programming coming your way, important programming. John O'Connor, U.S. Attorney, will be here, author of Mysteries of Watergate, What Really Happened. And we'll talk about um, the U.S. House Committee on the weaponization of government. It's being chaired by Jim Jordan. Of course, they have a, a, a GOP majority, a slender majority in the House now, and they are uh, kicking butts and taking names. And um, John O'Connor, well, let me just quickly play this clip for you. In my time in Congress, I have never seen anything like this. Dozens and dozens of whistleblowers, FBI agents coming to us, talking about what's going on, the political nature at the Justice Department. Not Jim Jordan saying this, not Republicans, not conservatives, good, brave FBI agents who are willing to come forward and give us the truth. All right. So we'll uh, talk uh, to John O'Connor about that. He knows a thing or two about uh, the FBI. Uh, and this is, of, of course, the committee overseeing the weaponization of government. So the FBI, the Department of Justice, you name it, colluding with Twitter, 
uh, and other uh, big tech companies to uh, persecute American citizens, surveil American citizens, censor American citizens, particularly those of a conservative bent. Viva Fry, David Freiheit will be here as well. We'll talk about another um, U.S. House committee, and this has to do with the um, uh, big tech, specifically Twitter. They have been grilling the gang of four, these former Twitter execs, um, over the last couple of days. And we'll talk to uh, David about that, as well as Project Veritas. It seems as if the board of directors there is getting ready to throw the founder and CEO, James O'Keefe, a terrific journalist. They're they're, um, getting ready to fire him. We'll talk to him about that as well. All right. uh, This is a huge story. To my knowledge, this is the first really important big whistleblower coming forth when it comes to child affirming care. We have a former case manager who worked at a transgender medical care center. Now speaking out against gender affirming surgery for kids, calling the uh, calling out the appalling practices inside gender affirming hospitals. Chris Elston is here, a.k.a. Billboard Chris. He's been traveling North America to expose radical gender ideology and child abuse for some time. Chris, welcome back. How are you? I'm doing great, Richard. I'm in Oklahoma right now working with legislators who are going to pass a bill to completely ban this practice of giving kids puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones and surgeries. So we're winning all over the place in the United States. They will join Utah, which uh, I think became the first state. I think Arkansas is also looking to pass similar legislation under new governor, Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Arkansas and Alabama have already passed legislation, but a federal judge blocked it, which will happen in all of these states when you try to legislate it away. So now the battle goes to the courts. Florida has also stopped it, but they did it through the medical board, reviewing all the evidence and finding there was none to support this. So that'll stick in Florida. But most of these states are going to have a court battle on their hands. But this whistleblower today is going to make this job a lot easier because she's worked at a gender clinic for four years. Jamie Reed, who is a self-described far left queer woman, um, and she penned this lengthy tell-all for the free press, and she calls gender clinics for kids morally and medically appalling. Uh, what was it for her? Why did she decide to come forward? What did she? Uh, what did she see? What did she experience? So she thought she was in this to save trans kids, but as time went on, she saw that there was really no science, no safeguarding to protect these kids. All of these kids have some mental health comorbidity going on about almost half these kids are on the autism spectrum it's kids who are depressed anxious have adhd uh, eating disorders obesity and they just get fast-tracked immediately no matter what's going on even if they're coming from the psychiatric unit in the hospital where they have severe mental health issues they're always just treated as though gender is the problem they even provide templates for the therapists to sign off on so that they can start them on these drugs and hormones. And my gosh, everyone should go to at Billboard Chris and read this article because you won't believe your eyes. These children uh, end up on all sorts of medications, blood pressure meds, cholesterol meds. They get sleep apnea, diabetes. It causes uterine and vaginal atrophy. So these kids have to get hysterectomies. Uh, I don't want to get into too many of the gory details, because it's probably not appropriate for radio. 
but we have clusters of girls from elementary or high schools showing up at these clinics because this is a social contagion and we've seen the numbers absolutely explode and they just get fast-tracked onto this pipeline of meds that end up sterilizing them and turning them into lifelong medical patients. There's a story uh, that, that uh, Jamie retells of um, a young black girl with a history of drug use and a very, uh, I guess, unstable living situation at home. When she was 18, she went for a double mastectomy. Three months later, she called the surgeon's office and said, I want my breasts back. And uh, Jamie Reed writes that the last she heard this young uh, black girl was pregnant, but she'll never, of course, be able to breastfeed her child. Uh, I'm guessing this is um, this is not an isolated incident. This is the, the, the number of um, people coming forward, young women who regret transitioning, if I can use that that term, uh, is just enormous. Yeah, there's more than 40,000 girls right now on GoFundMe raising money to get their breasts cut off for gender purposes. Now, in this case, that young woman was 18 years old. This is happening to children in the United States as young as 12 at Kaiser Permanente in California. The psychiatrist, Kellen Lackhart, is on video, and I have it, admitting to cutting off the breasts of a 12-year-old girl. Chloe Cole, who is testifying in front of legislators all across the United States, was 15 when she had her breasts cut off. She detransitioned less than a year later. And when she went to her pre-surgical appointment, there were about 12 other kids in the room, many of whom were younger than her. So there's absolutely no safeguarding. They don't do any follow-up. The doctors at the St. Louis Gender Clinic admit that they're not interested in following up with any of these detransitioners because there's no money in it. So why would they bother? Um, the, uh, the whistleblower, let's say... Um Jamie Reed also talks about how uh, few of these minors are are fully aware of the potential negative consequences of these treatments. They're not being told. Right. How can they be? They don't know what they're signing up for. They're just kids. They don't know what it's going to be like to be infertile and never be able to have kids. For many of them, after they've had a hysterectomy or they've had their breast cut off or they've grown a beard and have gained a deep voice, and all sorts of medical complications, their dating pools end up basically being reduced to zero, and their depression and anxiety is going through the roof. One of these kids, it was a boy, ended up on five different medications within months of transitioning, and the mom sent an email, and Jamie Reed has disclosed that email in this article, and the mom is saying she does not consent to any of this treatment anymore, and she says, you're lucky I'm not the type to sue. But honestly, we need some of these parents and these kids to sue, like Chloe Cole is doing, because then this will come to an end quickly. But as far as I'm concerned, I've been trying to raise awareness about this issue for two and a half years. This is one of the best days ever. Because right, this, this, person, this person characterizes herself as queer. She's married to a trans man. She says she's further left than Bernie Sanders mm. on the political spectrum. I'm a straight, white, Canadian guy. Certain people will never listen to me, but nobody can deny what she's saying because she's worked at this gender clinic for four years and she brought receipts with her. She's brought emails and she's brought all sorts of proof. So this is going to make waves for a very long time. And I'm extremely thankful that Jamie Reed spoke out. Yeah, it is a great development. And uh, I'm guessing, Chris, that you're, um, you'll be anxious to meet with Jamie Reed and 
and and and uh, converse with her. Absolutely. I hope she keeps speaking out. We're going to need her testifying in front of Congress and we're going to need her testifying at all these different states who are trying to pass legislation to stop this. And as far as Canada is concerned, my strategy has been uh, to take my trips down here and create awareness a lot in the United States because there are so many organizations and people fighting this. And when they stop this in the U.S., this will end up getting stopped in Canada. But our politicians are not ready to talk about this yet. Not even one conservative politician will speak out against this. So we're getting it done down here. I'm going to keep doing things in Canada. But uh, hopefully some of these politicians in Canada get some courage and start speaking out about this because they need to understand they'll never lose a single conservative vote. They'll only pick up centrists and leftists if they talk truthfully and with compassion about this issue. All right. Well, Chris, great talking to you again. Thank you so much uh, for all you do. We appreciate it. Thank you, Richard. Have a great day. Chris Elston, a.k.a. Billboard Chris, BillboardChris.com, the website. Follow him on Twitter as well, Billboard Chris. All right, when we come back, Viva Fry, David Fryheit will be here, and uh, we'll talk about the former Twitter execs who are being grilled before a U.S. House committee. Stay tuned for that. Don't go away. Welcome back to The Richard Serrett Show on News Talk, Saga 960 AM. All right. Welcome back. Just a heads up. U.S. Attorney John O'Connor will be here a little bit later and we'll talk about Well, the last half of the show. We're really focusing on the work of several U.S. or two specifically U.S. House uh, committees. One is the Oversight Committee and the other is the Weaponization of Government Committee. I, I, I don't I don't know if that's its formal name. Uh, that one's looking into the FBI, the weaponization of the Justice Department, the FBI and Jim Jordan uh, talking about dozens of whistleblowers from the FBI coming to him and basically saying, yes, this isn't our FBI. They are they are um, persecuting American citizens and uh, those particularly those with a, a conservative bent. So John O'Connor, who knows a thing or two about the FBI, will be here to discuss that. Well, the other committee. I believe this is the U.S. House Oversight Committee, and they have been, for the last couple of days, grilling. Let's call them the Gang of Four, uh, former executives of Twitter, over censorship and collusion with the FBI, interference with the 2020 presidential election. Here's uh, Jim Jordan addressing that. There are concerns about what we've learned in the Twitter files, where big government, big tech colluded to shape and mold the narrative and to suppress information and censor Americans. All right. David Freiheit, lawyer, former political candidate for the PPC and the host of Viva Fry on Rumble and YouTube uh, is here with his thoughts. Hey, David, how are you? Oh, I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm well, thank you. I'm relishing this. Uh, I've been looking at some of the clips and um, uh, I mean, what are your what are your thoughts? Is, is this going to go anywhere? These executives, uh, former executives at Twitter, really on the hot seat, um, basically being told, you know, this is a clear violation of the First Amendment. Uh, I'll play a clip later from Clay Higgins, the U.S. representative, who said, you know, this is uh, first comes first come the hearings and then the arrests, you know, get ready right. for you're, you're going to be arrested. Basically, he's telling yeah, you, well, I, I'm, I'm not not optimistic about that. It's it's you know, they're, they're two years late. It's the government is always too late, doesn't do enough. They have these these committees. Everyone flexes their, uh, you know, their vocabulary. They get their their clips that air on the news and that's it. 
Uh, we're not seeing anything that people involved in this world have not known for a long time. New York Times writes an article a year and a half later. Oh, yeah, the Hunter Biden laptop was a legit story. It wasn't Russia disinformation. You, you, these hearings are good. They're, they're, they're maybe bringing to the forefront uh, what everyone has known for a while. Twitter has been engaged in a, a election interference. There's no other way to put it. A lot of us knew that this was, you know, at the behest of, under the direction of. Maybe we didn't know the exact scope of how bad it was. But these hearings, okay, fine. So they're, they're, they're showing the, the, the insanity. I don't think enough people are watching these these stupid committee hearings and they, you know, they make a lot of promises and, and whatnot. But I don't think it's going to go anywhere because you talk about First Amendment violations and they're going to raise the argument that they're private companies. And then you're going to you know, provide the counter argument, which is, well, private companies acting at the behest of under the direction of coercion of uh, remuneration of the government can become state actors. OK, but they were doing it for policy reasons and whether or not they were rogue and went on their own to impose their own sort of uh, sanctions. It wasn't at the direction of the government. Even if the government was involved, you have members of the FBI sitting on the, on the as executives of Twitter. It, it's it's a big mess. It's too complicated for the lazy people to understand uh, if they're even following it. But it's an absolute debacle. We are not in control of our lives. We are not in control of our government. And it is becoming clear to anybody who's watching the degree of the uh, the pervasiveness of the corruption of the government intelligence agencies infiltrating social media to actively interfere with elections. Uh, all right. Uh, on that happy note, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I, I'm, I guess, I'm in a bad I'm in a bad mood today, Rich. <laughs> that's OK. That's OK. Maybe I, I I'm, I'm being a little bit of a Pollyanna here and thinking that finally, you know, we're going to we're going to um, we're going to expose them all and, and maybe we'll get some indictments. But um, uh, let's take a quick time out. We'll come back. I want to talk a little bit more about this. And also, I want to get your take on what's happening over at Project Veritas, where the uh, the board of directors there seems to be. Uh, uh, preparing to throw the founder and CEO, perhaps one of the last great journalists in America, James O'Keefe, overboard. We'll get to uh, that in mere moments. David Freiheit, the host of Viva Fry on Rumble and YouTube, back with more of our conversation right after these. The Bull Session continues on The Richard Serrett Show. News Talk, Saga, 960 AM. Bottom line is that the FBI had the Biden crime family laptop for a year. They knew it was leaking. They knew it would hurt the Biden campaign. So the FBI used its relationship with Twitter to suppress criminal evidence being revealed about Joe Biden one month before the 2020 election. You, ladies and gentlemen, interfered with the United States of America 2020 presidential election knowingly and willingly. That's the bad news. It's going to get worse because this is the investigation part. Later comes the arrest part. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time 
is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. That's uh, Representative Clay Higgins, Republican from Louisiana, and he sits on the House Oversight Committee and uh, yesterday giving a stern warning to uh, some former Twitter execs that um, they took part in election interference by uh, blocking the sharing of a report on Hunter Biden's laptop by the New York Post prior to the 2020 election. This was done at the behest, the, uh, the accusation is, of the FBI. Uh, David Freiheit is with us, host of Viva Fry on Rumble and YouTube. Um, so you're saying that this is it's a dollar uh, short and a day late that it's there's, we're not going to see indictments. We're not going to see anything out of this. Maybe, tw- you know, these former Twitter execs will have egg on their face. They'll be shamed and, and that'll be the end of it. I'll be flabbergasted if we see any indictments, any arrests for this. And I think it's nice that uh, the, that congressman there makes the you know such a nice threat. But ignoring the, the bigger part of this issue is that you had actual intelligence um, providing disinformation, a- actively lying. It's not just that they were prepping Facebook, Twitter for alleged disinformation that they knew damn well was authentic. They were penning open letters saying this, this Hunter Biden laptop story has the earmarks of Russian disinformation. You know, social media companies acting like highly politicized partisan entities. I think we could you know, say it's disgusting and they interfered and, and, and that's terrible. We had government intelligence agencies priming them to run fake stories or hide real information after having been misled or told it would be Russian disinformation. They should be looking at intelligence agencies, disbanding these, defunding these. It's nice to threaten Vijay God and and Yul Roth with with crimes. Good. Defund these partisan corrupt entities. And for anybody who doesn't know what Project Mockingbird is or Operation Mockingbird, Google it. This is nothing but an extension of what has always been the case of intelligence infiltrating the media to steer public opinion. That's right. Uh, There's a very famous Rolling Stone interview that um, um, Bob Woodward did. Uh, back in the mid 70s, talking about CIA infiltrating all of the major news outlets in America. That was like 45 years ago, he, he said. And, and I agree, it's still going on. Um, let me. Well, and, and add to your point about uh, the bigger picture here is that the, the weaponization of the FBI, that's the subject of another um, House committee, I think, chaired by Jim Jordan. And that's the weaponization of government. So hopefully, you know, he'll get some gets get somewhere there. Let me ask you quickly, though, about what's going on at Project Veritas. James O'Keefe, the founder, CEO, who's done such great work. Uh, of course, we just saw those uh, explosive hidden uh, camera um, exposés with a, a Pfizer executive outing Pfizer for conducting um, basically gain of function and considering if not, they're, if, if they're not already doing it, they're considering mutating viruses so that they can produce a vaccine. It'll be a cash cow. Now, James O'Keefe um, may be thrown overboard by the, uh, by the board. What's going on there? From what I understand, and I have not heard any indication that it's inaccurate. The New York, New York mag put out an article basically saying that it's, it's a, it's mutiny. It's, it's a, a hostile takeover of the board of directors uh, apparently having appointed you know uh, enough board of directors that they can vote James O'Keefe off. James O'Keefe, it's not just that he's the founder, he's the face. He is the essence of Project Veritas. Um, th- they held apparently a six-hour, what, what some Twitter user was calling a struggle session yesterday about how bad and demanding of a mean boss James O'Keefe is, and that's the basis. They have 11 employees saying he's impossible to work with, and they put him on paid leave 
the, the, the theory is, and it's been detailed in a couple of Twitter threads, it's basically a hostile takeover from the existing executives to oust James O'Keefe from his own company, his own not-for-profit. It's a, there's two entities, 1501C3, 1501C4. It's a week after the Pfizer expose. So one can hypothesize as to whether or not these members of the board of directors are compromised, are compromisable, are susceptible to bribery or threats to come and do this now. Um, and Pfizer, not Pfizer, I'm sorry, um, Project Veritas's own official response press release reeks of the same stupidity that Pfizer's press release uh, uh, to respond to the allegations was. They come out and say, We've listened to our our, 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 our our viewers. We love them. We're committed to this and that. And don't address the, the bottom line of it, which is it seems like the executives are going to oust James O'Keefe from the company on some protectual basis that he's a mean, demanding, unforgiving, unpleasant boss, which he might very well be. But to get what they get, you can't be a, a, a pushover. Um, and the timing is just overtly suspicious. It might not be Pfizer. James O'Keefe has made a lot of enemies doing what he's done. But a week after the Pfizer expose, um, you would have to be silly and ignorant not to make that connection as opposed to uh, overlook it. In the end, though, does it really matter? As you say, James O'Keefe is Project Veritas. So he, um, he moves along. He ends up, you know, he starts again. He starts over. Maybe he connects with somebody with some deep pockets and uh, he just continues. It's a new name. It's not Project Veritas anymore. Who cares? Oh, that, that's the amazing thing. And, and Project Veritas press release, they say, we've got 65 employees. We've got a company to think of, yada, yada. There are going to be 65 people out of work uh, if they do this, because they might have already done too much damage to come back on, because I, I have a good mind. I donated to Project Veritas last week after they had one of their Twitter spaces because of the, what they're doing. Uh, I, I have, you know, jokingly have a good mind to ask my money back. Uh, they're going to they're going to destroy it. it. Project Veritas is nothing without James O'Keefe. I think they've already done enough damage to the company by having done what they did. People are now looking into the board of directors to see who these people are. And, the, you know, they look like people who are easy to compromise or who have been compromised, whether it's by Pfizer or by, you know, other stuff. Um, the idea that you could oust James O'Keefe from the company, uh, issue some generic uh, press release. Uh, and, and that the idea is that he's a tough boss to, to work with. Yeah, there'll be 65 people out of work and James is going to poach or pick up some of the employees that want to work with him to further the truth. And he will he will land on his feet and he'll do even better. But I made a joke on Twitter. You know, if they do this and they oust James O'Keefe, he would make one heck of a great CEO for Twitter. So Elon Musk might have just found his man. There you go. Excellent. David Freiheit. Find him on Rumble and YouTube, Viva Fry. It's uh, terrific programming each and every time. David, always appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you very much. Have a good one. You too. All right. John O'Connor is next. We'll talk about the weaponization of government committee chaired by Jim Jordan and uh, all of these FBI whistleblowers coming forward. Stay tuned for that conversation in about three minutes. Just having a little chin wag on the Richard Serrett Show. News Talk, Saga, 960 a.m. Welcome back. Earlier today, the House, U.S. House Government Weaponization Committee, that's a, a subcommittee, I believe, of the Justice Committee, held a hearing to highlight the FBI and other agencies' abuse of power against Americans, specifically conservatives. Here's subcommittee chair Jim Jordan. In my time in Congress, I have never seen anything like this. Dozens and dozens of whistleblowers, FBI agents coming to us talking about what's going on, the political nature at the Justice Department. Not Jim Jordan saying this, not Republicans, not conservatives, good, brave FBI agents who are willing to come forward 
and give us the truth. Uh, Further to that, Jim Jordan tweeted out uh, yesterday, it appears the Biden administration pressured social media companies to censor Americans. Think about that. The government wanted to silence your speech online. That's scary. And we want answers. Of course, it goes beyond uh, social media. Uh, Whistleblowers have talked about um, the FBI targeting parents who, uh, who simply chose to speak up at school board meetings, labeling them domestic terrorists. The other accusation that really caught fire was that the FBI were taking uh, agents off of child sex trafficking investigations uh, and um, sort of reassigning them basically to harass conservative uh, citizens. John O'Connor is a U.S. attorney, the author of Mysteries of Watergate, What Really Happened, and uh, the Mysteries of Watergate podcast. He's host of as well. And uh, great to have you back, John. How are you? Hey, great, Richard. Great to be with you. So um, there's a couple of things here. There's the um, the committee that's that's grilling these former uh, Twitter execs talking about, uh, among other things, collusion with the FBI for election interference. So there's that. Then there's this committee, which is examining how the FBI is targeting an American, American citizens, um, harassing them, persecuting them, surveilling them and so forth. Uh, which of the two committees do you think uh, is likely to get some results here? Uh, well, that's a good question. Um, one of the problems we face, Richard, is, as you point out, there's some brave FBI whistleblowers. Um, but at the same time. What these whistleblowers point out is that their brethren are not necessarily um, down the middle. And so what you have is you have this tremendous uh, sort of strain of partisanship within the FBI that I hold James Comey responsible for, mainly for putting that on steroids. So uh, I think you can get some good results out of these committee hearings. And that is to say, we need uh, sunlight on these things. Uh, here's one of my problems. If we don't have these committees do it, we've got Merrick Garland trying to act like he's without fear or favor. He's appointed two special counsels. So most people think, oh, that makes it him straight up and down. He's, he's, he's got special counsel in here. No, he appointed special counsel who then have the right to pick their own lawyers as Mueller's uh, team showed, and they'll pick all partisans and they'll select FBI agents that are partisan so they'll actually take away stuff from the regular whistleblowers that we're going to find in the FBI and also career Justice Department people. And I've dealt with them for years. Um, they're generally straight. They generally are Democrats more than they're conservative Republicans, but they're straight. So we've now taken away the possibility that there will be stiff back people in the Justice Department or stiff back people in the FBI on the two important investigations of these two present and former presidents. So that's what's bad about this. And it makes it really necessary that these two committees really go after it, because this is a serious, serious problem. Uh, we have someone remember this committee. Uh, I think his name. There's a fellow named something like Elvis Chan or something like that. I may have it wrong. Um, that was out there uh, not only doing the Hunter Biden thing, but generally telling these uh, social media companies to take this or that down or to put this person on their list. Uh, it's really a terrible thing they've they've pointed out because now we have government actually censoring conservative speech 
<laughs> not that it's the first time Lois Learn and the IRS was were, were pretty good at it, but this is taking it to a new level. Well, it's one thing. I mean, Twitter is a private company, so uh, they can, you know, they can violate people's First Amendment rights because they're a private company. But if we're talking about a government agency, that's a whole other matter. And um, not only is there the, you know, the collusion with big tech, but as I, as we were talking about, um, you know, there's also the FBI targeting American citizens, harassing them uh, simply because of their conservative views, parents and so forth. We'll uh, pick this up on the other side. John O'Connor stays with us, U.S. attorney, author of Mysteries of Watergate and uh, the host of the uh, Mysteries of Watergate podcast. Back with more in a moment. Stay with us. Let's rejoin the conversation on The Richard Serrett Show on Newstalk Saga 960 AM. Jim Jordan and his uh, subcommittee on the weaponization of government looking into uh, the corruption in the FBI. And he says dozens of FBI whistleblowers have come forward. John O'Connor is with us, U.S. attorney, author of Mysteries of Watergate, What Really Happened, and also Postgate, How the Washington Post Betrayed Deep Throat, Covered Up Watergate and Began. Today's partisan advocacy, go to postgatebook.com, postgatebook.com for more information. And you can also subscribe to the podcast, uh, The Mysteries of Watergate. Um, John, how likely is it or unlikely that he that any of these FBI whistleblowers will be willing uh, to be deposed, um, you know, sit for a deposition or will, will they can they be subpoenaed? Well, that's going to take a lot of bravery because I think this administration would u- use that as an excuse to fire them. They prop they have um, all signed oaths that they would keep things confidential. Uh, in essence, uh, they should not be talking about confidential matters without the, the permission of superiors, and that's the weapon they have over them. If the fellow, if pe- fellows are past retirement age or and others have enough in, 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 enough years in, or if they have some good job in the private sector, more power to them. Here's what we've got here, Richard. Because the government is colluding now with private industry, tech companies, the tech companies are no longer immune. They should understand that. And maybe these committees can uh, get that message through to them because now they are conspiring with the federal government. It's the federal government as to whom the Constitution applies as a bulwark against federal government overreach into the citizens' lives. That's what the First Amendment's all about. The federal Now, you're conspiring to violate somebody's civil rights if you are a private citizen, but you're conspiring with somebody else. If you're the Washington Post and you publish the Pentagon Papers, okay, you're home free. But if you were to conspire with somebody to say, with the government say to, to do to do that, that same thing, perhaps you're violating somebody's civil rights. So that's one of the issues that I think can be brought out here. Um, I do think that Garland has done a nifty, although partisan and really just about corrupt job of getting this thing out to his favored special counsel. Uh, the one reason that the big comparison here is in my book, Postgate, which is most appropriate here, Postgate, is that in Watergate, it was an honest FBI that kept the Nixon administration from sweeping under the rug, whatever it had done. Now, I don't think what they did was all that terrible, but but they did have some some uh, misdemeanors there, but they swept them under the rug and the, and the FBI wasn't going to stand for it. And they ended up getting the, the message out. Now, 
think about how long it's taken for anybody of these, any FBI agents to come out. It's really pretty scary. When was our election? 2020? This stuff was happening in 2019, and we're finally finding out about it. So um, what kind of power does uh, the, the Congress have, the House have over the FBI? Um, I mean, can they could they defund the FBI, for example? That's their best weapon, Richard. That's a really good point. They can start making budget noise about the FBI and and also just pull their money. Really, uh, it would take an act of both houses to fund a new organization, but they can certainly yank money from them and say we don't like what they're doing. And they can call Christopher Ray in and tell him just that uh, and let let the Twitter executives and other people out there. Now, maybe Twitter isn't so bad today, but other social media companies read them the riot act and say, look, maybe Garland's protecting you right now. But guess what? You're liable for prosecution. And by the way, I think some states, uh, state attorney general should get into this because they can probably um, prosecute as well. So it doesn't have to be a federal prosecutor, I don't think. Now, you got to look at what the state statutes are for violating civil rights in a state context. But we have to have pressure on the people that are going along with this, that are bending with the wind. The the tech companies, for example, and also the FBI itself as an organization. Christopher Ray's got to realize that his days are numbered unless he does something. So this is interesting. I I wasn't aware of this. Even though uh, these tech companies are private because they're colluding with a government agency that puts them on the hook for violation of the first amendment and other civil rights. That's right. And I'm love, love to say I came up with that idea, but a very brilliant guy who had been with the justice department wrote an op-ed about it. And I went and did my own research and I think he's absolutely correct. Uh, They're, they're, they're liable. They're vulnerable for this. Obviously right now they don't feel any pain because Garland's in the, in the catbird seat, but hopefully two years from now, something else will happen. All right. Well, these, um, the, the work of these subcommittees, I think is going to continue to be very interesting and we'll uh, keep a close eye on it. John O'Connor, U.S. attorney, author of mysteries of Watergate, what really happened. And of course, uh, Postgate. and you can uh, go to Amazon, Barnes and Noble, uh, and postgatebook.com postgatebook.com. Don't forget the podcast, the mysteries of Watergate. John, thank you so much, as always, my friend. Great talking to you, Richard. You too. All right, that's it for me. My thanks to Jody, Declan, and Jacob. I'll be back tomorrow to do it all over again, God willing. I'll speak with you at four. Don't be late. Until then, I remain unbowed, unbent, unbroken. That's it. That's all. For more Richard Serrett Show, podcasts, blogs, and other stuff, go to saga960am.ca. Stop talking past each other and start talking with each other. We'll see you tomorrow afternoon at 4 on The Richard Serrett Show on News Talk, Saga 960am. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? 
President Biden's administration is making major decisions and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy.